Hello and welcome to the Luscious Living Podcast. I'm your host, Celine Vilgen, holistic nutrition consultant and the founder of Luscious Living, where personal growth meets wellness. Ladies, we've heard that PMS is a feminine curse, and it's time to bust that myth. Did you know that your period is actually a sacred and beautiful time for you? It doesn't feel like that when you have symptoms of cramps, bloating, nausea, headaches, and more. And I'm here to tell you it does not have to be that way. Did you know that you can use nutrition to ease those symptoms? Did you know that you have four different phases of your menstrual cycle? Yes, you can learn to optimize each of these phases and really understand your body and understand why you're more motivated in some times of the month and more excited to work out or more wanting to stay in or you are just more intuitive in certain phases as well. Learn to understand your body, love yourself even more. This is all talked about in my best-selling book, The Painless Period Guide. Grab a copy for you and a friend. The link to purchase is in the description. Welcome back to another episode of the Luscious Living Podcast. I'm your host, Celine Vilgen, and today we're going to talk all about acid reflux and GERD, holistic solutions that actually make an impact on your digestion for the long term. So we're going to talk about the common reasons why people get GERD and acid reflux, what the conventional treatments are, and why they're not a good long-term solution for our health, and long-term and natural solutions that get to the root of the issue, such as addressing stomach acid, diet, and lifestyle. So why I chose to create this episode is because it's estimated that about 20% of adults in the Western world experience GERD or acid reflux weekly or daily, which is crazy because how uncomfortable is that? And any disruption to the breakdown, absorption, and elimination elimination of digestion compromises the body's energy, defense system, cleansing ability, and overall effects of health. And so this is a real big issue that I want to talk to you about today. So we're going to first and foremost go over the difference between acid reflux and GERD. We're going to go over again some of the conventional treatments and really break down some of the common ones. We're going to talk about how to overcome it. I think I just repeated myself there, but that's okay. Um, So acid reflux is really when we experience that burning sensation right after we eat. And GERD is acid reflux when it happens more than twice a week. This is something really important to know because uh, this GERD can actually develop into Barrett's esophagus, which is abnormal cell growth, which as we know, abnormal cell growth can manifest into different kinds of cancers. Um, We do not want that. So why does acid reflux even happen? So on an anatomical level, it is the dysfunction of the lower esophageal sphincter. And that's supposed to close as soon as food passes through. But if it doesn't close all the way, this acid from the stomach can creep up into the digestive system and begin to cause an array of problems. 
And why we start to see this uh, acid reflux is usually in terms of diet when we're having food sensitivities, wheat, corn, soy, um, sometimes even artificial sweeteners, artificial sugars, um, when we're having poor uh, quality animal products as well, margarines, again, uh, just those pretty much conventional foods that most people eat. Um, sometimes it's caused from overeating, eating too fast, stress, because when we are in stress mode, we're not in rest and digest. You're not going to digest your food. And then when you are in stress, you actually are not able to secrete the proper enzymes to start to break down your food, such as amylase. Then carbonated beverages, insufficient stomach acid. This is the biggest point I want to say here, and I would like for you to walk away understanding, is that previously it was thought that stomach acid was from too much stomach acid, but it's actually from insufficient stomach acid, and most people have insufficient stomach acid. This is really, really big, and we're going to talk more about this. Then, of course, drugs that irritate the, the uh, GI tract. So this is antidepressants, birth control pills, estrogen replacement therapy. I work with a lot of people who are on these medications, and of course there is a time and place, but please know that there is always a side effect. There is always um, an impact, right? And I just have to say this because a lot of people are put on medication without understanding that there are some consequences on the other side, okay? Uh, then aging, the aging process. This is a very natural part of it, but it does impact our uh, stomach acid. And then same with the zinc deficiency, because we do need zinc to have proper stomach acid. So we see that there are some conventional treatments that are, again, over the counter that are very common. Most people have taken them before, but there are some impacts to doing so, especially when done so frequently. And again, it does not actually address the root issue as to why we are having stomach acid in the first place, or rather acid reflux in the first place. And yes, I am extremely passionate about this. <laughs> this episode is a long time coming. So again, I just wanted to preface all of this by saying, contrary to popular belief, acid reflux symptoms are not caused by too much acid in the stomach. It is because of low stomach acid. And when we have low stomach acid, it is a beautiful uh, pathway to having pathogens in the body, right, that go into the bloodstream. And that's hence why we're seeing an increase, I believe, of autoimmune conditions, allergies, mental health challenges, and more. Because the gut is truly the birthplace of really great health or, or not so great health. Let's get into some of the conventional over-the-counter treatments, starting with antiacids. So we have, you know, Tums, for example, it's instant relief within a matter of minutes to, uh, to address heartburn, um, but there are some side effects, okay? Um, and again, especially when it's related to repeated use. So diarrhea, constipation, nausea, discomfort, loss of appetite, mood or mental changes, calcium loss, osteoporosis, kidney stones, bone pain, aluminum toxicity, frequent urination, headaches, muscle pain, and drug or supplement interactions, to name a few. Again, it's, it's okay if you're like, out traveling and you need to have something instant, that's great. But again, long term, we're going to go over the solution solutions in a moment. 
Next is H2 or histamine blockers. Again, over the counter as well. And these work a little bit more slowly, 60 to 90 minutes to reduce stomach acid. Um, to reduce stomach acid and it stops the production of HCL, which is your body's, uh, your stomach's natural acid. And these medications also stop pepsin production, which is the enzyme responsible for breaking down protein. So imagine you are having a steak and then you start to have this H2 blocker and the food it, it doesn't digest your food properly, then you will get bloating and gas and just discomfort overall. You're not able to absorb this food. It ferments in your stomach and your intestines. And um, well, you start to you know have other challenges that come that come with it. Naming, uh, namely, um, increasing risk of infection as the bacteria that would be normally killed in your stomach would be alive, um, such as listeria and salmonella, right? And um, so it's it's definitely, I know it's not necessarily the most common risk, but I want you to start to think about, well, how good could I feel if I did have proper digestion? Because it does require a lot of energy. And a lot of people I speak to are very tired all of the time, and that's, that's robbing them of, of joy and hobbies and family time, right? And then we have the next uh, over-the-counter medication, which are PPIs, proton pump inhibitors. And they also block an enzyme that tells your stomach to produce acid. Um, and this is actually found in the, uh, in the walls of your stomach lining already. Recent releases by the media have shown that there is a reason for concern about taking PPIs, especially long-term, and the FDA has released uh, warnings about PPIs in the last several years regarding magnesium deficiency, increasing risk of bone fractures, and uh, diarrhea as well. And it's fascinating because I'm going to actually list you some some other possible side effects um, that these PPIs can can create, okay? Namely, one of them is um, SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And I have worked with clients who have SIBO and it is not a good time. It's literally being constantly bloated, um, constant discomfort with this. And it's typically difficult to, to um, and long to find relief. So one study found an increase of SIBO at a rate of 50% on people who took PPIs versus 6% in the control group. Then we have vitamin B12 deficiency. Again, vitamin B12 is really important for energy, okay? Um, but patients or people on PPI drugs do not absorb minerals and vitamins, um, especially B12. And so deficiency in B12 can lead to chronic fatigue, muscle pain and weakness, memory and mood changes, heart palpitations, digestive issues, and more. And especially if you're aiming to get pregnant, this is really, really important. Really important for everyone, truly. Ulcers. Um, then we see an increase of gastric ulcers with long-term PPI use. Um, 90% of duodenal, I can never pronounce certain words, right? But uh, ulcers and 65% gastric ulcers were caused by H. pylori. 
okay? Um, and that is a very common um, GI ulcer creating bacteria, okay? Again, uh, then you would require anti um, antibiotics, and then I find a lot of um, a lot of people with psoriasis and certain skin issues end up having H. pylori, and it doesn't necessarily mean antibiotics will always uh, get rid of H. pylori either. Then we see uh, inflammatory bowel conditions. Okay, um, PPIs can decrease extracellular levels of adenosine, which plays in a role in inflammatory processes within the digestive system. And so that's when we start to see things like Crohn's, uh, ulcerative colitis, IBS can be exacerbated from PPI use. Okay, and then uh, we just talked about SIBO, but irritable bowel syndrome is also associated with SIBO um, as well. Then we start to see asthma, GERD and asthma are closely related, and it's estimated that about 80% of asthmatics suffer from GERD. Crazy. And same with arthritis. People taking um, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like aspirin uh, to treat arthritis pain tend to develop GI issues like ulcers more often than the average person. And um, and again, it, it impacts energy, impacts just this zest for life and it impacts um, so much. We've, again, our health is really determined from our gut health. So now that I've gotten extremely passionate about why these are not long-term solutions, let's talk about some of those long-term solutions and what to do. Some natural uh, solutions for acid reflux symptoms. First and foremost is diet. This is absolutely key. Okay, so for good digestive health and overall health and wellness, we have to select unprocessed, ideally organic, but understandably not everything can be organic due to budgeting reasons or accessibility. Um, and we want to increase fiber intake. Okay, this is really, really big. Most people are not having enough fiber and, you know, are going for the psyllium husks as a, as a result or, or metamucil, okay? All you need to do is have more whole foods. Broccoli, apples, celery, carrots, every single day. Things like this, okay? Um, we want to have fermented foods in the diet. This is really critical for the health of our gut, okay? So this is foods like uh, coconut yogurt, pickles, sauerkraut, kimchi, apple cider vinegar, but make sure these are in their raw and unpasteurized format. Otherwise, the pasteurization kills all good bacteria as well. You also want to really be mindful of sugar consumption. Still eat your honey, your maple syrup, your fruit, but start to look at, you know, those low-fat foods uh, increase sugar intake so they don't taste like complete garbage, okay? So go for full-fat dairy products. Go for your own salad dressings. Honestly, olive oil, salt, pepper, and maybe lemon juice or apple cider vinegar is a great salad dressing. Balsamic is a great dressing as well. Um, you know, look for the, the foods that come in packages that sell you on high fiber, like cereals and bagels and things like that. Start to have the less refined version, so steel-cut oatmeal or just regular rolled oats, okay? Add some berries to it, add some chia seeds, some walnuts, and there you have a breakfast instead of a bagel and a coffee, you know? Um, 
I don't want you to be upset that I'm saying this. I just, uh, I really, someone has to, someone has to say it. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Someone has to, to be the one. Okay. Um, and then there's some foods that tend to make acid reflux worse. Okay. So alcohol, I'm not saying don't drink alcohol, obviously, but you know, there are actually, um, different cultures around the world that would have aperitifs and digestives, right? Again, I did not pronounce that properly, but start to look at maybe you incorporate a bitter or maybe you have some kind of herbal based alcohol to help you digest food. That's also great. Or maybe you have a glass of wine with your meal and you enjoy that. Um, we also see again, some carbonated beverages or energy drinks, artificial sweeteners, fried foods, canola oil, spicy foods for some people. I freaking love spicy food, uh, thankfully, <laughs> and then processed foods. Okay. And then the foods that help improve acid reflux include fresh vegetables, leafy greens, squash, artichoke, asparagus, cucumbers, free-range chicken, grass-fed beef, um, parsley, olive oil, coconut oil, ginger. These are beautiful foods I want you to start to incorporate and you will notice you don't have acid reflux after you eat them. Next are some supplements for acid reflux. If you do get acid reflux, um, commonly, I highly recommend actually working with someone like myself. You could work with a naturopathic doctor. Uh, I will leave my link below to apply to work with me. Um, but these are some other supplements that I recommend. I do recommend speaking with someone again, like myself to take digestive enzymes and HCL with pepsin. But other than that, uh, probiotics are great uh, one to take 25 to 50 billion units of high quality probiotics, not the ones that you just get from Shoppers Drug Mart or Walmart or something like that, um, but one that is specifically for gut health. I mean, that's all for gut health, but something that is a high quality. I just will leave it at that. Then digestive enzymes. Okay, you don't want to take it more than three months at a time, but taking a capsule or two at the start of each meal will really help you fully digest your nutrients properly. Then, as mentioned, hydrochloric acid with pepsin. You want to take a 650 milligram pill prior to each meal. And this is not long-term either, but it will definitely help get your stomach acid to where it needs to be. Then we have these beautiful herbs like chamomile, papaya, or ginger tea. Um, ginger is a really big one I use commonly, and it's really great for the digestive system. So every time you're feeling a little uh, full or just even nauseous, anything like that, um, it's really great for digestion, especially when the weather gets cooler. I like to start off in the morning with fresh ginger. Chamomile is also really nice on the stomach. And papaya is actually um, one of the uh, best things you can do for your digestive system. It contains um, an enzyme called papain, which helps to break down proteins. Then actually, um, pineapple has bromelain, which also helps to break down foods. And you'll actually notice in the certain digestive enzyme supplements, you'll see um, papaya and um Pineapple, sorry, I'm just thinking of the word pineapple um, extracts in there. Then we have magnesium, okay? Magnesium is depleted in most Western um, people, and I recommend taking a high-quality magnesium spray, ideally, or oil, or a high-quality supplement uh, at the end of each day. 
Then lastly, while there's no official studies on the impact of raw apple cider vinegar on acid reflux or GERD, it does, you know, just through experience, client experience, my own experience, um, it does seem to support that it can be an incredible remedy for acid reflux and, and really having a solid digestion. Um, so, and again, make sure that is raw and with the mother and not just uh, the regular kind of white vinegar there. So lastly, some other tips for improving di di digestive health is to chew your food. I know this is kind of annoying. Um, at least I think it's a bit of an annoying tip, but it's so true, especially when you're watching TV or you're distracted, you're less likely to chew your food properly. Or, you know, maybe you put on uh, some beautiful music, you do acupuncture, yoga, whatever helps you di to digest, but also manage stress. Because again, when we are in a stress mode, we might not realize it, but that impacts digestion because the body is sending glucose to the muscles in the brain to run and to think, not to digest. Then you also want to try to consume food three hours prior to bed to allow your food to be digested and then sip a herbal tea again like chamomile or ginger tea after your meal. So that is what I wanted to talk to you about today. I hope this has been helpful. I would so appreciate it if you could share this episode with a friend because so many people do experience acid reflux and GERD. So if you share this, you will be helping someone else experience radiant health as well. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please give the show a five-star review if you feel like you learned something new today. All of the mentioned links will be in the show notes. And also, are we connected on Instagram? Find me over at underscore luscious living underscore and come say hi. See you next episode.